RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff. Easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel food crate. Slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Have you wondered if you wanted to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in, links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Lone Ducks Gundog Chronicles. We've got an episode for you. I'm really, really excited to have our guest on tonight. It's been in the making for a while, and we finally locked it down. My friend Brad Arrington from Mossy Pond Retrievers is here with us. But before we get into the show, let's kick it off with a little bit of Yukonuba, baby. Now, Brad... And uh, Kevin and I were at the Kentucky Derby now almost two years ago, year and a half ago, something like that. And and Brad and Mossy Pond dogs they eat the uke. So Brad, what do you think of the new formula and the dogs in your kennel? Man, I tell you what, um, thank you for having me on here, Bob and Kevin. I'm excited to be on here. Like like you said, when we were out there, we we talked about doing this a long time ago, and it's a long time coming. So I appreciate y'all having me. And um, as far as you can do a Man, um, I have been tickled, you know, um, doing this for so many years. I have fed pretty much any dog food and every dog food that's out there, um, trying to figure things out. We run bird dogs down here in the, in the south on quail hunts, January and February when it's cold, and you're running them 7, 10, 20 miles um, per half day. Um, they lose weight, hard to keep weight on. The, you know, of course, the labs competing across the country all these years, the dogs, uh, they they lose weight, hard to keep weight on them, and um, the new Yukonuba formula, uh, those guys got it figured out. Um, it, the dogs have looked and maintained weight and kept a great attitude, better right now than we've ever had in the past, and um, we're just super excited about it, super pumped. You know, in the past, I've been sponsored by um, dog food companies, and it's it's hard to promote them and push them um, when 
you know there's another company out there that's better and got a better formula but i can look anybody in the eyes right now and say this this new yukonuba premium performance formula is as good as anything out there uh we got a we got 120 dogs right here on the property you can walk through every kennel in here there's not a light dog on the property and uh, there's not many times in my my career that I could say that you could walk through my kennel and not find a light dog, but I have I have healthy dogs, happy dogs, energetic dogs for the first time every stall in my kennel, and that's super exciting. That's awesome, man. and it's it's it's, it's definitely results of a great a great dog food like Yukonuba. Yes, sir. Next up, we got Gunner Kennels, and we've had them for a while, and I can't say how how much I appreciate their company and Made in America and the safety of our dogs is, is key number one for them. And Brad, you, you have some of them too, don't you? Oh yeah, man. Every, every guy that, every guy that picks up a dog for, for us, a lot of people don't know this, but we do a lot of obedience dogs. A lot of people think we're just in the competition dogs and serious gun dogs. We do a lot of obedience dogs. So there, there's a big turnover rate on probably 30% of our dogs. And um, so every three months we probably send 20 or 30 dogs home obedience. And then every four months we send a lot of shooting dogs home just, basic gun dogs and every one of them um we send them home with a gunner kennel um you know you you, you dog your collars a bag of yukonuba dog food and then bandit and avery blinds oh, yeah. and ground force blinds and um the asd bumpers but um as far as the gunner kennels everybody asks me um you know brad what do i do for house breaking what do i do um you know when i'm on the road should I buy a diamond plate dog box? What what should I get? But the Gunner Kennels, you know, I tell everybody the same thing. You know, most of our labs are the intermediate. So I tell them to get an intermediate for in, in their truck, in their car, to be mobile. Um, they're lighter. You can take them in and out. Um, I, we use them even in the in, in the field. And then the large, uh, I suggest everybody have that in their mudroom or their garage or the carport or next to their bed. And those are a lot bigger. They're roomier. They have the wheels on the back that you can roll them around. Uh, I, and that's how I crate train. I, I, I'm a firm believer in crate training a dog from a puppy up. Even if later on they stay in the house and hang out in the house, that's fine. But, you know, there's if you crate train them and bring them up in a crate, they feel safe in a crate. And um, talking about being safe in a crate, Gunner Kennels, the way they make those things, that, that that's the safest out there. Whether it's on one of our side-by-sides out here running a duck hunt or a quail hunt, and they're in the back or in the back of a truck, you know, those things are safe. You, you see all this the advertisement on, on gunner kennels about the, the cars and the trucks having accidents and the dogs coming out perfectly safe. But um, I can tell you there's proof in the pudding. I probably, I don't know, I probably sell 100, 150 a year. And um, we haven't had any complaints. No complaints. Everybody's happy with them. Dogs are safe. The dogs love them. Um, there's no hazardous stuff even for your chewers right. they can't chew them up so they can't digest anything to cause bloat or um, to get anything caught in their intestines i mean they're 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 the safest kennel out there hands down period no questions asked and we've been tickled with them and we've been hooked up with gunner i think about seven years now six years yeah since the beginning really that's yeah awesome. yeah right, right when they started yep all right next up we've got dogtra Dogtra, I rock the Edge RT during training every day. It's three-collar unit, and then we send every dog home. And I'm sure, Brad, you've probably got your favorite units as well, but I send every dog home obedience or gun dog with a 1900S. I think it's foolproof for the average guy or gal. 
And before we talked, you said you did use Dogtra. What what collar are you guys using every day? Man, we're all different. Um, you know, the new 3500X, that's what I got Clark and Lee on. We're kind of just, we, we demoed them for a little while, and then now we're, uh, that's what that's what they're using. That's what they're pumped up about. Um, like you said, the, the 35, I mean, the 1900S, that's what we, I'm sitting here looking at about 20 of them in my pro shop right now. Every dog that goes home, goes home with one. They're easy for me to teach the owner. Very simple. It, it's a good collar from for my obedience guys, my gun dog guys, and even my even my competition guys. A lot of them, since that's what they used when their dog was in basics, they keep it. And it's a good, strong, durable collar, waterproof. And, yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm old school. I like the original 3500 with the Riostat on it. Oh yeah. Um, that's 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 what I started out with. And Lee and Clark think I'm crazy, but I'm just after i get used to something that's what i use i um i used the um 3500x for a while though for pretty much last year and duck hunted with it all of october and all of november um yeah we do the plantation duck so <laughs> i've been duck hunting for two months now <laughs> while everybody else is just <laughs> while everybody else is getting cranked up that's right so um you know in your um in your blind bag they get wet they um the dogs beating in and out of the boat you know it, as good as you teach a dog to come in and out of the boat, he's going to hit that collar every time he comes in on the boat most of the time. Um, on and off the stand, in and out of the duck blind, um, hitting hard stuff. I, I think a duck dog, a true duck dog that guides every day is the roughest on an e-collar, more so than a, a competition dog. And Man, they're they're just as durable. Um, and just hands down, easiest thing I can say about dog dogtra, they're they're dur- durable. They're never going to, they're never going to let you down. They're always going to be ready. They're, we never have any calls in complaints. I've been with several other companies as well. Just like I said about you, Canuba, and as long as they're charged, if my customers <laughs> remember to charge them. Or they're turned <laughs> on. I'll get that call. I'm like, hey, man, oh, yeah. can you do me a favor? Just push that button. And, yeah, uh, see if right. that helps you. Now, now vibrate it. Make sure that's on. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it works great now. Oh, great. That's right. That'll happen. All right, next up, we've got Kent Ammunition. Uh, this stuff, Brad, I don't know if you've dabbled in the Kent bismuth, if you're on that bismuth train yet, buddy, but let me tell you, I haven't been shooting a lot of ducks this season, but I have been crippling way less. If you put a BB in the butt, that sucker's better than a doornail. It has so much punch at the end of the barrel that, I mean, you'll breast them out and be like, I don't even know where we hit this thing, but it. It, it hits them so darn hard. And so we're super pumped that Kent is on board. And I don't think I could ever go back to regular steel again. I'm on the bismuth train, baby. Oh. I'd like to hear that. I'll, I'll have to try that. You know, that's one thing with our plantation birds here. You know, we feed train them and they, they look and act and just like wild birds. So, I mean, cripple's a big thing. Um, every duck I collect, you know, that's, that's another check in my pocket. And, um, you know, ducks getting away um, is not a good thing. That's why we got to have great, great retrievers and um, try to catch them, them cripples. But um, a, a good shell like that, that sure helps. Yeah, no doubt. Next up, we got Traeger. Do you have a Traeger? Oh, Lord, yeah. yeah oh, we got, baby. Tell no, me. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Chad Ward, he, he comes down to the lodge um, several times and has helped us out and <clears throat> cooked for us and introduced us to Traeger and Gosh, I got I got four up there at the lodge, <laughs> and um, we cook on them every night. I love that thing, man. I made ribs and a spatchcock chicken over the weekend. 
I'm telling you, mm-hmm. the, the kicker is, Brad, I suck at cooking, and it makes me a hero. <laughs> it's fail-proof. It it's is. Fail-proof. It's Bob-proof. Yep. I, I can rack out a, a rack of ribs like nobody's business, and, and it's awesome. So, you know, get you a, a Traeger. Christmas is around the corner. Treat yourself to some Traeger time, baby. Uh, Kev, help me out. Waypoint Outdoor Collective. These guys keep us with our analytics. You know, uh, Brad, I don't know if you heard, but in Canada, we have been ranked top 30 podcasts. Not Amer- yeah, Amer- America, I don't know where we're at. We'll leave that to someone else. But but Canada loves some lone duck. <laughs> I think it's because I, like it, I, like it. I think there's only 30 podcasts in Canada, so we've got to be ranked high. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it's fine. So... Uh, but anyways, check them out. Waypoint Outdoor Collective on the old Instagrams. All right, Brad, now that we've gotten that, you know, rolling, you did a phenomenal job. I'm very well impressed. Done, very impressed. Uh, but do me a favor. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Well, um, let's see. Where do we start? Um, I'm Brad Arrington, owner and operator of Mossy Pond Retrievers and Mossy Pond Outfitters. This all started. My business started um, at 18 years old. I got a chocolate lab pup. His name was Bo brought him up and was training him and um a lot of people in the area um were, were saying how good he was going to several dove shoots went to a dove shoot that um with a gentleman that became became my um, father-in-law i was dating miss ellen and um when i went to his dove shoot um Bo was only seven months old and he grew tobacco plants and um at the end of his dove shoot he would cook for everybody so a lot of tobacco growers were up there and i went up there and um, one of the tobacco growers came up and said, Hey son, if I buy a puppy, would you play with him and teach him like you did your dog Bo? And I said, I would love to. And he went to the back of his truck, grabbed a case of shells and went over and put them in the back of my truck and said, here, I'll go ahead and give you these shells. If you'll, if you'll do that for me. But <laughs> that time that was, that, that was like a million dollars. Oh yeah. So I, said, I said, my gosh, this guy's going to give me a case of shells to play with his puppy. I mean, this is a home run. Anyways, long story short. After I trained his pup, um, I had two or three or four of his buddies that would see his pup and would call me. And um, One thing led to another, and at 19, I had four or five in the back of my mom's yard. And neighbors were complaining about them barking and stuff like that, so I actually got out of it, totally got out of it. Well, two years later, one of the guy that I trained for, he he saw me in another dove shoot, and he said, why did you get out of that? Why, why don't you keep training? And I told him. And he said, I'll tell you what, I got a big farm. He said, I'll work out a lease agreement with you. He said, I'll build, you design the kennel, 15, 18 stall kennel. You design it, I'll build it. You work out a lease agreement with me for three to five years. You pay it off. I get a kennel out of the deal, and you get to see if your business flies. Well, um, yep, after that, three months later, the kennel was built. We had 18 dogs in it. Um, I did that for three years, and then I then I built my own kennel, uh, um, 40 stall kennel on my own property. And, um, now we got fast forward Lee, Lee Howard, which is my monster pond retriever manager. He, he jumped on board with me, um, right before I built the 40 stall kennel. And like I said, fast forward. Now we got 23 employees. We get, we keep 120 dogs. We have 1100 acres right here in Patterson, Georgia, Southeast Georgia. Um, we actually run a hunting operation, which is Mossy Pond Outfitters, for all of our owners that get dogs trained. We offer duck hunts, blinds, boats, flooded timber, pit blinds. We offer pheasant hunts, quail hunts, hog hunts, turkey hunts. And we build a 
facility in New York about six years ago, and we've been up there with um, in New York in the summers, back and forth, and it was that was designed for a satellite kennel for, to get dogs down here and to spike business in, in that that region. We 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 saw that there wasn't many trainers in that area. That has gone good, and we use that kennel in the summers, and that's about it. Just just busy, busy. We got 120 dogs. We train obedience, we train gun dogs, we train competition dogs, UKC, AKC, field trials, hunt tests, and it's just a, a dog hunting operation. Um, my wife, that um, I told you that I was dating when I was 18, um, we're still married. We have four kids, 11-year-old, uh, 9-year-old, a 4-year-old, and a 2-year-old. You're a busy man, my friend. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> Good for you. The, I, I love telling the story, so bear with me. I don't know if Kevin's ever heard this story, but back in the day, I started this T-shirt company. It was called Lone Duck Outfitters. I don't know if y'all have ever heard of it. But oh, yeah. I would, I think back then when I met yeah. you, I think I rented a U-Haul, and I, I carried all these totes of T-shirts and hats and slip leads and whistle lanyards and I remember all that jazz. And I drove myself to Vermont and I stayed at a buddy's place who ends up actually fast forward. I trained his dog keen eye and got her a master title this summer. But anyways, she, uh, or he, you know, has me there and whatever. And I'm, I'm, I, I can't stand behind this freaking booth anymore. I need to watch some dogs run. So I go over to the masters and I'm, I'm watching and I see this guy and he's, they're running test dog and he goes up and he's kneeling down. He's looking at the test and, you know, looking at the test. And then he brings a dog up and the dog smacks it. And another dog smacks it and smacks it and smacks it. And I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know. Not a, I don't know anybody in Vermont, but B, you know, this person is not like your average person. And they're like, Oh, that's, that's Brad Arrington. He's from Georgia. I'm like in Vermont. So <laughs> I got to meet this guy. So I go up and shake his hand, and it's you. And and you were so kind, especially to, I mean, I think I was 25, and you were maybe 29 or something like that. And, uh, you know, two young young guys, and you're like, man, I'm daylight till dark, after dark. I work, 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 and I, I chase my dreams. And someday I want my whole kennel and all my staff to be wearing Avery. And I want to be the guy on TV and I want, this is my goal. And so as much as I'd love to wear that lone duck hat, you know, we're, we're going after Avery. I'm like, man, this guy's ambitious. There's no way he said that about the lone duck. I remember the conversation and I'm like, wow, I really respect that. That's awesome. He just didn't like the logo. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> and then, dude, two years later, he's all, I mean, you're all over the place and you had a vision you executed that vision and it's exploded into Orvis deal. I mean, you're all over with foul life. I mean, I want to talk about that a little bit cause it's really neat where you get to haunt and, and some of the cool places you've gone. And so I want to hear a little bit more about that in the future, but I, I'm, it's a weird feeling to be like, I know that you had already, it's not the ground floor because you'd already been busting your butt for years and successful, but to have met you, with that vision and then see you fast forward, you know, eight, nine, 10 years later, where that vision has quadrupled what most people in our industry achieve. And 
to be back then and it's so neat and I'm so proud of you and and every single guy on your team too like I can't speak highly or higher enough of Lee he is the most professional like he's just the greatest guy in the world and Clark's been on our podcast a few times he's an awesome guy and a great trainer I mean you just you surround yourself with awesome people and so I want everybody to know that going forward through our podcast of how highly I think of you your business and then just the people you surround yourself is so cool and I I love that story of ah you know I I love what you're doing man keep working hard but I'm going after Avery and Bandit and then sure enough you did it was awesome dude (laughs) yeah I I remember I remember that like it was yesterday you know Um, and you know looking back through the years it's crazy you know always worked hard but just the blessings that came came my way that you know looking back it was just definitely the Lord looking out for me and my family and um, I owe it all to him. It's definitely, def, definitely wasn't me. Um, I know the Lord wants you to work hard. And he'll meet you halfway, but, um, he, he's definitely blessed me. A lot of, a lot of paths I went down, not knowing what was going to happen that I'd seen other people go down that it didn't, wasn't as fortunate for them that, um, that we were blessed with, but, um, good people like yourself, good people that, um, I, I made relationships um, with and, helped me through the years, gave me guidance, helped me out, was in my corner. You know, I couldn't have done it without, without those relationships like, like people like yourself. So you, you, you exploded as well. Your business has exploded. You very successful. You, you grind it, you, you eat it, you breathe it, you live it. And you, you know, that's what you got to do to um, be successful. And um, I just, I just appreciate the relationship and value our relationship. And thank you. Thank you for always being in my corner and even though maybe you not you didn't know it but I, i've heard through the years of the kind words that you spoke on behalf of me and my kennel and i i appreciate it dearly oh man yeah not a problem always all right so one of the cool parts of, about your journey brad is you know starting out i, I want to hear the come up story so you, you had your first dog Bo. when did you get into the hunt test game so, um, you know, there was a lot of missing parts in my story um, earlier. Bo was a lab, but at the same time I had GSPs. I'd always ran bird dogs coming up through high school. And um, I actually started running um, hunt tests, AKC hunt tests with short hairs. And I actually um, did a little game. It was like NASCAR. It was shoot to retrieve. So it, it was it was a game, and um, I, I love that game. I love the AKC hunt test with the short hairs. But as I was training bird dogs, I noticed that the turnover was very rapidly with bird dogs. So you kept them four months and they went home. I mean, a lot of people around here like to shoot quail. I mean, that's all they were. They weren't getting them for pets. They weren't getting them for the competition. All they wanted was a junior hunter. So um, I noticed that the labs, they would stay with me a lot longer. So probably two years into it, I switched and I went all retrievers. And I would take anything back then, just like now. I mean, I got from Rottweilers to Doberman Pinchers to Labradoodles, Golden Doodles, anything in the kennel for obedience and stuff like that. But um, I got probably 15 bird dogs in the kennel and the rest retrievers. To answer your question, I started in the bird dog hunt test. And it was all walking trials I did. I didn't do any horseback. But And then then Bo, of course, I was running him in hunt test. And were it was kind of crazy. He, were you doing HRC yep. at the time? I did. Yep, yep, yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I started off in HRC. I did. And because, you know, I hunted him. And so that was that was the best game for me. And um, I, I did that for several years. And then I, then I jumped over and was doing both AKC and 
HRC for the first few years, and then I found out that it was hard for just me. Lee was doing all my um, young dog work at that time, but I was on the road and I couldn't do I couldn't do both. So then I jumped over to AKC, and I ran that for several years, and then then went into AKC field trials. Yeah, that's what I want to kind of dive into too. You you see a lot of guys successful in the hunt test world that are like, all right, you know, we we passed, but I want to win. Yeah, that 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 was my deal, man. I'm 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 a huge competitor. Sometimes at a fault, and um, I just I dove into it feet. I mean, feet first. I just jumped in it, and I wanted to win. I wanted to. I would go to these hunt tests. And, you know, I felt like my truck was better than the next guy, and he got the same amount of ribbons. I, it wasn't that I wanted to show him up or um, tell the world I was better than him, but I, for myself, and a lot of it was selfish, but it, it paid off. Um, <laughs> That's I, all right. I, I dude. wanted to be, yeah, I wanted to be the best. I mean, for myself, I wanted to prove something, and I played sports in high school, and I was real competitive at, at anything I did. And when I jumped in the field trial world, I, I got my butt kicked for the first two years, like severely. And I said, man, I got to figure this out. And I knew Mr. Al Arthur pretty well. And I told him, I said, look, I said, I'm going to figure this out one way or another. I mean, it, it, I might go bankrupt doing it because I hired more bird boys. I shot more ducks. I mean, I was doing everything I could, but I still couldn't figure it out. And anyways, me and his father, Mr. Hugh, we hit it off. And uh, Mr. Hugh, he was basically my mentor for probably, I think, seven years in the field trial game and he came down two or three days a week and helped me and um at that time i tell this story a lot i had seven over 700 master passes wow i had set i had 700 master passes when mr hugh his first trip down here and i thought i was a real dog trainer i didn't have a clue how to train a dog no way. <laughs> and i did not have a clue how to train a dog and um he spent seven years with me and um, there, there were some things that I did right, but there was a lot of stuff that I pretty much totally changed. And um, that Mr. Hugh, I, I swear, he's he's a wizard when it comes to training a dog. In every aspect, every element of the game, no matter what you were doing, whether it was the wonder lead or the force fetch or the collar conditioning or, um, you know, teaching a quad, short retired, long retired, whatever it was, he, Poison Bird, he, he had a way, he had a different way that, that worked better than the next guy that I learned from in the past. And, um, you know, I can, I can honestly look anybody in the eyes today and tell them I, I, I can train a dog now. I know how to train a dog, but, but then I thought I was, I thought I was pretty good. You know, I was um, ranked in the top five in the country and master AKC passes at that time and had 700 master passes. Looking back, I didn't, I didn't have a clue. And um, that Mr. Hugh, he was nice enough to come in and, and show me and, I love those those seven years of running field trials, but then I then I got four kids, and two years ago I was up in New York running a field trial, and I watched my eight year old son, which is well three years ago, my eight year old son, which is eleven now, win state championship in baseball on Facetime while I was at a field trial. Yeah, and I said I said I can't keep doing this. I said I got to be home with my kids and I still train hard. We run the business hard. Lee runs hard. Clark runs hard. All the other guys here run hard. I had that, that field trial game, man. That's that, that thing is, it's die hard. You gotta, you gotta be up two hours before dark and go, go to bed two hours after dark and run seven days a week or you're going to get your butt kicked on the weekend. I had, to, I had to 
tightened things back down where I could be home with my with my kids and my family and my wife, Ellen. Uh, but those seven years, I don't regret them. Um, I, I learned more life lessons in those seven years than I probably learned any any other time, and um, I definitely learned how to train a how to train a retriever. That's for sure. What are some things that you could share with our listeners that you know? As like an example, I did X before, and then when he came along, this little thing. Now I do it this way. Oh um, gosh, there's so many. You know, um, you know this the swim by. You know how to get a dog to really take a cast in the water and, and hold a cast. And yeah, I, I did it. So uh, another thing we did is um, we softly force dogs in the water. Now you know a lot of dogs back then they would go on these hunt test blinds. But then as I started running field trials, you look out across the big body of water and they wouldn't go, or either they'd get out a hundred yards and pop and wouldn't want to keep going. The the way he taught me. And, the way to get those dogs to go and keep a good attitude, you know, um, all of his, his methods taught me how to have commitment behind all commands, but have a great attitude. You know, there were guys in the past taught me how to, <laughs> you could make them do it, but then they had a low attitude or you could give them live flyers at the end of all their blinds and they did it because they wanted to. But then when they got to a spot that they, ah, I really don't want to swim 400 yards, they wouldn't do it. So the biggest thing he taught me is how to have commitment behind the commands and then have a great attitude with your dog. So on, on all, every aspect, like I said, the collar condition, force fetch, the, the, the biggest thing he taught me is how to have those dogs very committed on their cast and water, being committed on the, on the, on the water blinds, and how to teach a dog how to mark, you know, the, how to teach a dog Two more, you know, when I was in hunt test, I just threw a bunch of marks. I, I said, if I throw four series a day with live ducks, I have a live flyer in every series and dead ducks on all the other marks, and I have three bird boys in the field, you know, I'll outwork the next man. And that's what I did. That's how I got those 700 passes. It wasn't that I knew more. I just outworked the next guy. Right. But then when he came along, I learned how to do it right. So can you describe so, what you mean by doing it right then? Like, if you're comfortable with it, like, I I feel like some folks don't want to give trade secrets, but I think if you can give an example of, all right, he taught you how to teach them to mark better. How, you know, are they, is it a drill? Is it, you know, I don't know. I, because I do the same thing, man. I It's I, from sports to whatever it is, I just used hard work, like put my head down, smash through a wall and I'll go through 10 walls until I figure it out and do it, do it right versus working smarter you know what i'm saying so my work mm -hmm. ethic gets me further than being good if that makes sense and yeah and just like what you just said right there I, I i think this was mr hughes that told me this but um i think he told me you could do it a million times the wrong way and still get a good product or you could do it a thousand times the right way and get that same product right but if you do it the right way the million times that's when you win and um, those were, you know, as far as examples, I don't want to get too deep into that because of, you know, what he showed me and stuff and a lot of things people know. But the, the biggest thing is the, the commitment on, like, like what I said about the water, a little bit of water force on the, on the swim by drills and how to get those dogs to swim with that bumper all the way across in front of you and out the end of the pond um, and how, how, to get that, how to get that dog to mark their outway, stay on the front side of the gun and not fade with the factors, the side heel, the, the wind, the um, water, all of that to stay in front of the gun, 
it was just it was i tell you what it was it was it was like you, you step into that college class for the first time and you're like holy cow i don't i don't even know what this guy just said mm-hmm. and um I, I remember that the first month i would go home and i said i don't even know what he what was he talking about <laughs> I, I, I mean does he really know what the hell he's talking about and i remember questioning it and i, I would just i said no i just got to keep listening got to keep listening got to keep listening and you know and then things i mean after like the third month i had dogs that were finishing trials in three months the same dogs i was running that weren't getting to the four series were finishing um we were jamming and then my second year i was in the top five in the country in the derbies wow. and I, I said i said wow and i said this this is amazing and um how to teach those young dogs how to mark where before i wouldn't do that i would just do repetition mm-hmm. and just throw more marks um to teach them how to mark it was pretty amazing so I got a question for you. So I got an older dog. I've asked this question before to other people. So there, to me, I, it is what it is. She, she bananas right to left, right? Uh, so if your bird boy is out there and he throws it right to left, she's going to run at the gun and then start correcting herself out to the bird. And a lot of times she front foots them. I mean, she's got a master national plate. I mean, good dog. But I feel like on the big Q setups that we'll run or, you know, that one bird, we ran a super retriever series. And on the fourth bird, that banana, it was retired, got her. It just, it got her. And and then we racked up like 200 points and got embarrassed. But, (laughs) (laughs) but. You know, it, it's one of those things that I, I, when you're running hunt tests, it doesn't really matter because they're 100, 120 sure. yards. Like she's going to, she's going to find it. She's going to, she doesn't need to be handled to them. They're not big mistakes. But when you go out to those bigger marks at a field trial and it's the fourth bird or third bird and it's retired, that banana becomes extremely evident. And if it's thrown left to right, she pins it. No banana. She doesn't loop out to come into it. It's straight to it. So it's a it's been a, a thing that, you know, I've tried calling her back, resending her. I've tried having the bird boy throw a mark or like, you know, an in route throw once in a great while, like big white, you know, milk jugs getting thrown and then there's a duck at the bottom. Like there's all sorts of little tricks I've tried, but no matter what happens. And then I did notice I was I was overthinking it, overdoing it, and she started getting weird on me. So something to that effect, what would Mr. Arthur say or Mr. Arrington? So um, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people do wrong that are going to get into field trials or run field trials that aren't, you know, the top five, ten guys in the country are the misconception of a long mark. And that's probably what happened to this dog. So, you know, what amazed me is, the amount of short marks that we did with our field trial dogs over those seven years. Um, if they can't do it perfect, but I mean, even 30 yards, there's no sense in going to 250 and throwing one. I get so many times a guy would bring me a field trial puppy and at five months old, he'd, he'd say, watch this. We'd get out in my flat hay field. He'd send the gunner out there 400 yards and throw it and dog go down there and get it. But what happens, that dog, his line, he just runs at the gun and then peels off and goes and gets the bird. That's right. Well, all those puppies, you want to start at 
even, you know, a lot of these 12 week old puppies, guy back to our 100 yards, that's the worst thing you could do. So, what you want to do, you want to take that 12 week old puppy and back, get off about 40 yards, but you want your bird boy to throw it as far as he can. So, if he's out in front of you at 12 o'clock, you want him to throw that thing so hard it goes out to 10 o'clock. Well, if he would, if you would have done that with this pup out to 10 o'clock and she would run at that 10 o'clock, um, so far off of the gun, and it would, and it teaches this dog to mark that spot, not mark off the gun, and you bring them up that way. But if I got this dog at a, that that's what you would do from a puppy up. But if I got what you said right now, and um, somebody dropped that dog off with me, and I was, we're teaching this dog to run field trials or hunt tests. It all starts from the line, that banana. So what you want to do, you want to bring your gun in to about a hundred yards. This dog's already, you know, master national, so apparently it can mark. So you want to bring your gun in about 100 yards, 80 yards. You want to throw a white bumper out in the middle of the hay field, no other elements. You want it black and white. And put the dog on your left side, of course. You're going to throw it from 12 to 11 or between 10 and 11, and you're going to send the dog. What I want to do, everything's going to happen in the first 15 feet on that banana. So what I want to do, if I'm throwing it from 12 to 10, I'm going to put a chair, chair out of my trailer. I'm going to put a chair out about, 15 steps at 11 o'clock. So that's fun at dark, right? Yep. So um, when I send that dog, if that dog doesn't go left of my chair, I blow a whistle and I handle. So I do that for probably a couple of weeks. If the dog, it's going to start picking up on it. But if it doesn't, then I start giving a little pressure. You've got to go left. And I do right and left. Even if the dog bananas, like you're saying, I'm going to do it right and left. I'm going to get that dog running. One thing, I wanted that those dogs picking up my marks from the outside of the mark. I didn't want them going under the arc and then going to the bird. I wanted them coming in from the outside of the mark because a good judge, he's going to throw that hard bird, that money bird, with the wind blowing out, right? Because what do dogs do when they miss? They go to the gun. That's right. So if I, so if I can get that dog outside of the mark, I'm going to beat the next dog. So on that chair drill, I'm, I got my gunner at 12 o'clock. He's at only 80 yards. He's throwing that white plug. Out at 10 o'clock, I got that chair sitting at 15 steps from me at 11 o'clock yeah, under the arc, and I got to teach that dog he's got to go wide of that chair. If he goes under it, and then that, he'll start picking up on why that chair's there, just like they do anything else. And then after I start putting low pressure on it, then when he goes from the line, he's going to start off, and he's going to take that step at the bird. And then when you move him out 400 yards, now this is over months of training, you move him out to 400 yards, you'll notice his first foot step he isn't going at the gun he's going at the bird and when you can get a dog going at the bird instead of the gun then you got a dog that knows how to mark so that would be my answer to that and i feel very confident that it would work that's cool all right we'll have to implement that because some of the folks have have mentioned well does she find the bird and the answer is yes i mean it you know she she comes up with it and like you know i had said the the super retriever series we got humbled um, which I think probably anybody that runs a super retriever series gets humbled from time to time. And, sure it, they do. and it was my first. So, uh, I got, you know, I, shoot, man, I'm blowing that whistle. Like it owed me something. And, yeah. and I, you know, we redeemed ourselves in the second series because everyone gets invited to the second series. So I was thankful for that. But, um, no, it's a really good tip. That's a really good tip. Yeah, and from, from what you said, what people would say, well, does she come up with the birds? Yeah, she comes up with the birds because she's talented. Lord blessed her with good marking um, ability. But 
with a good judge that knows how to use factors and they throw that bird in the right spot from right to left, she's going to fail. Even, I mean, good dogs that go from great dogs that are trained to go from the outside to end of the park and don't have that banana are still ending up behind that long bird, ending up behind that long gun or that short retired. They're ending up on the wrong side of the gun. Well, now she's going to have to fight her factors and the judge's factors. That's right. So she's at, she's at a very disadvantage. So to, what I would say to them, well, sure, she's a good marker, but I, it's my job to make her better. So what I got to do is teach and figure out how she doesn't have this banana. Because if she's this good now, all my birds from right to left, she's probably at a 60% drilling them. I fixed this, now she's at an 85. So as good as she is now, I've just stepped her game up tremendously. So um, and, and don't let them get in your head. Stay on her. Keep working her. Make her where you can win one of those SRSs. Boy, wouldn't that be cool. Uh, and you've dabbled in the Super Retriever Series, haven't you? Oh, yeah. Yep. What was that like? Man, I grew up. I grew up watching it on TV. I still remember sitting in the living room floor watching it. And um, it was a great game. Um, had some success in it. You know, I couldn't get my um, – when it was TV, I got my customers bought in, built a whole truck, and then, then we, they lost the TV thing. Um, so then we got – that's when I jumped in the field trial. So I got out of it. Um, but um, here in the last couple of years, Lee and Clark run it hard. We, we Of course, our customers are bought in on the hunt test, but I see the SRS growing, and I hope it continues to grow. And Me too. It's uh, It's had a resurgence. The last two years, I feel like, man, the hub is where you're at. North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, and Texas are and Louisiana. Like that little backwards L of our country is where the Super Retriever Series is born, bred, and the competition is hot. I mean, it's like cutthroat, really. I mean, the top five guys are two Mossy Pond guys, Clark and Lee. And then you got Luke and Rhodey. You got Lyle. Steven Durrance, who else is in the, I mean, that that's like the top guys and they're always going neck and neck every weekend that a super retriever is going on. But, you know, five years ago it had like a little, little, little mini dip and we didn't, you know, I don't know. It, it, I grew up on it as well. I wanted to be there 15 years ago when I was in high school, but now I feel like everybody, even the amateurs are, are back in it. So that that's pretty neat. And and do you see your guys, you know, Lee and, and Clark, is this going to be part of a push every year now to to win that crown? I think so. I think so. I think, um, you know, a lot of our customers like to hunt test. We're, um, I'm getting back to my roots in the HRC game. Clark coming on board was um, really big for us. That's first year we ran the Grand and I think about eight years. Um, Clark had a very successful um, year there he went 10 for 16 at the grand and um we've been blessed in that aspect so I, I hope that that we get bigger and better in the hrc world and and with the srs you know having two national um trainers on board that can run these games really helps us you know when i ran i was um running field trials and lee was running the hunt test so i wasn't able to help there but now having clark running hrc and um, SRS Lee running AKC and SRS. Um, we're we're really excited about it. More bullets in the gun, man. That's right. That's right. More bullets in the gun. That's cool. So uh, another part of what you've got going on in your busy life is 
the deal with Foul Life, the TV show, and the places you get to go and hunt with those guys. Tell us a little bit about that and what, what uh, the 2020, 2021 calendar looks like for, for hunts. Yeah, man. Um, you know, um, Mr. Chad Belding, uh, I met him through um, Bandit and Avery when we were when we started getting hooked up with them. And um, he's just he's always been in my corner, always looked out for me, always tried to um, help me out, gave me several dogs to train. And we were we were blessed in that aspect. And he lets us tag along, lets us go to these shows with him and um, hunt these amazing places that that he gets to hunt and hunt hunt his amazing dogs. We have just um, his his dog, Master Hunter HRCH um, Axel. Now we have him out for stud, and he he's just a phenomenal dog. He's that B model dog that has that switch, you know, in around duck camp. You know, he can turn it off, and then when we're out in the field, he he's got a he's got a huge motor in him. Um, he can break the ice, get the get the long cripples that the next dog can't get. And um, I'm just excited. Um, look look to doing a lot more with Mr. Chad and the foul life and um, just just blessed to have that relationship just just like I talked earlier about relationships I mean that, that's been a blessing for us and I think we're going to be in Arkansas with them um, in the first of January so um, hunting with Axel and uh, doing a lot of cool things you know um, Mr. Chad he's he, he's a big promoter of Yukonuba and we do a lot of things together and Dogtra and um, so a lot of our, our sponsors are hooked up together Edge Boats of course, Band and Avery. So we're we're hooked up with a lot of sponsors, so we can do a lot of the TV stuff for those guys, and plus have fun, shoot ducks. Yeah, no doubt about it. So you've got Arkansas planned. Where do you know? Where do you go? Are there certain, uh, you know, clubs or uh, you know, outfitters it's, it's, that you it's, guys it's, like? It's hard to set a schedule because of the ducks, you know. So. Um, there's sometimes that he, he'll have a schedule set, but it's pretty tough. It just depends on what's happening. You know, we, we did something, we do stuff in the off season together as well. Um, I was out there, I think September, um, doing the handoff with Axel, going over some things and teaching Mr. Chad some, um, bigger and better things on the advanced work of Axel. And, um, he, he did really well with that. Great transfer. We got that on film. Uh, and he, he's handling Axel this year at, at a master level. I mean, um, picking up, cripples on hand signals after they've knocked 20 down in the on the x right there in the hole and then you know how hard it is to get through that scent and go get that long bird if you're not an um, advanced handler right and have an advanced dog and i mean they're they're killing it this year and um he, he's hunting him on every show so even though i'm not there now mr chad and axel um are showing out on tv so that that that's a reflection off of me i hope and i, I think and I, I i'm proud every time i see him on the television that's really cool that's really cool any other trips planned uh with or without the foul life you got anything cool you're going on man i tell you what we we've really kicked this um outfitter part of our business off so i'm trying to stay home through hunting season and you know with the plantation side of it we're we're open october 1st to march 30th so it kind of cuts my trips out and i think we've already killed probably 1500 ducks since october <laughs> one here so i um, mean we're just um, I haven't missed the limit this year, and um, these these ducks. It's not like we're throwing them out of a tower. I mean, right. they're fed, feed. We feed train them in um, a sanctuary pond, and then they fly about a thousand yards into a swamp, and it's flooded timber. I got pit blinds. I got um, 
skid blinds. I got big blinds that you can pull the boat in. Um, I got standing timber if guys want to hunt in the timber. So whatever that guy that got that dog trained, if he's going to Arkansas or um, he's hunting um, rice fields or wherever he's hunting, we have a simulation of that. So when he comes in camp, um, we get to um, lay that out where he wants to hunt and um, we go in and these these birds decoy they they act just like wild birds They're, every guy that's came this year is like brad i could not tell that those were plantation birds that's so and cool. um and that that's an, and a lot of times we'll have multiple dogs because they have uh, other dogs that they have to honor in the field so a lot of my other customers that aren't here i get to work their dogs out and pick up these um ducks and it no matter how hard you train a competition dog or you train him in the field there's nothing like the the real the real thing putting him in the boat making him place in the boat where he doesn't wander up and down the boat when you get to the duck blind you tell him place he goes to a spot where he can see or you go to a, um in the flooded timber you say place he gets on a stand you can't simulate that in the yard and for training and have those birds working and cupped up you calling the the uh, mechanical decoys out there the motion decoys moving. It's just a circus, and you take these master hunters, grand hunt retriever champions out there, SRS champions, and you put them out there, and it's like, gosh, he, he didn't do good as old um, <laughs> 12-month-old Cujo that's hunted 12 times back here. That's right. But then after you hunt them four or five times, the switch clicks, and then, then they're just beasts out there. And then when that guy picks him up and he flies him out to Arkansas, I'm not embarrassed. So That's right. I, I try. That's a phenomenal point that i'm going to hit home one more time is guys and gals train their own dog or send them to folks like us and no matter how well we practice and we train like we play or or play like we train or whatever you want to say the real deal you know sitting for 45 minutes or an hour before shooting light to to beat people to your spot you know the sitting on a dog stand where we're having coffee and donuts and the dog's sitting there like, what are you guys doing? You know, and then you got mojos and you've got jerk strings and you've got all sorts of shenanigans going on. And you've got ducks landing in the decoys to allow the other 20 behind them to come in closer. I mean, dogs can get trained to such a high level, but those first few hunts, we have to really focus on teaching them that what they learned before this still applies obedience-wise and skill-wise, but then give them a little gray area that, like, you know, I've trained master hunters that hadn't hunted yet, and then they go out and, like, get hung up in the decoys and are like, nah, it's got to be in here. Yet it's 20 yards past them with the wind in the wrong direction, and they just can't get out of it. And after the third, fourth, fifth retrieve, it clicks. And you can see them start watching the sky, and you can see them putting two and two together that training and hunting are similar, but this is just a little different. So, you know, give your dog grace in some respects, you know, hold them to a high standard, make sure that they're obedient and safe, but also understand that no matter how good they are, it's still the real deal and different. Now that, that what I call a seasoned dog, a dog that's hunted a, a full season and has picked up, you know, a couple hundred ducks. That dog right there in the duck blind, you could take one of these five-year-old master national hunters out there, six-year-old master national hunters that haven't hunted but a handful of times, and that that, that dog that's hunted and picked up a couple hundred ducks, I got one out here right now that I've been hunting right now. My, my son's dog, he's got a little chocolate. Um, he's 16 months old, named Trigger, and I mean, I'd put him against anybody in the duck blind. 
I mean, I say place one time with customers. He goes to his place in the boat. I pull up to the duck blind. I pull up under the slip. I say place. He goes to a spot in the duck blind. He doesn't move. He marks his birds. He doesn't whine. He takes cast from the blind. I mean, uh, he just, and these customers' dogs that I'm able to take out there, I mean, they do the same thing. But um, you have to season a dog. And, you know, when these dogs go home after a senior hunter or a master hunter, you know, the customers have to understand just because they're master hunters, it's going to take six, eight, ten hunts before they really click on the hunting part. Because no matter how good you are as a trainer, you can't simulate all that. You can't simulate ducks above them circling. And, um, but anyways, it. It's fun. Um, the the thing we, I've I've been working on this for eight years. I used to have a pen and I'd catch them out of a pen, take them down upstream on this creek, and I'd turn them loose and I'd fly back. We'd shoot them on the way back. I've changed it and maneuvered it, and I mean, it, it's fine. I finally about got it figured out, and it, it's been pretty cool. We've been we've been smoking them this year. Good for you, dude. Good for you. So that brings me to a question. You know, you've gotten to hunt in, in your career. I'm sure you've been places that we all dream of. And if there is a, a species, you know, whether it be hogs do it for you or deer or elk or, or ducks, a, a species, if you had to cut everything out, you couldn't hunt anything else, but this, what would that be? That's easy. A green headed duck. <laughs> oh, the spoonie? <laughs> a, huh? a, a spoonie? No, Mallard, Drake. A green-headed duck. I, I want to kill a, a Drake Mallard. That's that's what I like to hunt. Me too. I, that the way they decoy and respond to the call, it, it just does it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love duck hunting. Um, I always have been passionate about it, and respect it, and uh, I enjoy it. And you know the tradition of the sport. And I think you know all all, all game that we that we hunt, and um, you know there's a tradition to it, but. That's something about the the duck hunting tradition is just just special to me. Always has been. And if you could go anywhere and do it, where would it be? Gosh, those those trips I went um, with Mister Chad with the fowl off in North Dakota and South Dakota. That's that's pretty special up there, coming right out of Canada and and Canada. You know, everybody rips and raves about Arkansas, Mississippi, and Louisiana, but there's a seems like there's a lot of missing down there. You can hit or miss, and I've hit a lot down there. Had a lot of great hunts with a lot of great people, a lot of great camps. But um, up there, up north, when they're when they're doing it in early season, it's it's pretty magical. I was supposed to go this year, and the COVID got us. Yep, it got a bunch of people. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's messed a bunch of stuff up. Yep, yep. We were supposed to go to North Dakota, and we were going to hunt mallards. Now, when you were up there, were you hunting fields or were you hunting ponds? Both, both. I've been up there several times, but um, the I guess to go back to your question earlier, field hunting uh, mallards would be would be my best. I mean, I love field hunting. Um, I, I love working a dog on in the water, but I am just crazy about it on land. That's really cool. I've never, well, not never. I've shot a few mallards over fields in New York. It's very rare here during hunting season that they're feeding in fields, uh, but one time. Big, huge, flaky snowflakes, great wind, and we were hunting geese. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, ducks are working us. All right, here we go. And they did it. But it was super rare. It's it's a, you know, maybe once a year people will talk about it. It's not common. So to go and see out west the mallards working 
a field spread just looks unbelievable. Trump, yeah, it is. It is definitely it's it's amazing. Now, speak. We we started talking a little bit about the Super Trigger Series. Uh, you guys, on and unfortunately, talk about COVID getting us. We're going to host the Mamba Challenge. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that and that it's postponed? Yes, sir. So I um uh I did a Ducks Unlimited, uh, Unlimited Retriever Challenge years ago um, when I was at my first kennel that I was leasing. And it was a lot like the SRS, but we gave what the Ducks Unlimited chapter did. They came out and donated their time and their people to throw birds, to help out, and then they would give their great prizes away. And they would get all the money. I gave them all the money, and then they would give their great prizes away. And it was just something more exciting to win. And there for years, I'd always I'd, I'd drawn it up, and I always wanted to do a money event. You know, um, I love all dogs. I'm crazy about all dogs, coon, coon hounds, anything. Well, the coon hound sport, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, money purses, money prizes. And in our sport, you know, it's just like you go to the national and there, there's hardly nobody there. Right. You go to the, the crown and, you know, the, the crown is getting bigger and better here in the last few years. But there's still there's just I don't know, there's not the crowd that I mean, you go to a, 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 a local bass fishing tournament and there's a thousand people there watching a, a weigh in of people coming up there with their boats, putting fish in a tub. And I was like, what in the heck are we doing wrong? So I've been thinking of this for a long time, and um, I got some great customers, um, the Walters. They had a dog named Bamba, and I always, I always told them about this, and we'd, I'd share my idea with them, and, and they, and I said, but it, you know, it takes some, some money to get it kicked off the ground and get it rolling, and it's not that I want to. I've always been offered to run AKC events here, run the SRS here. It's not that I want to come up with something totally different to compete with those guys, but I would love for it to get kicked off the ground if somebody else do one in another part of the country and somebody else do one because there's nothing in our game that you can go and win a, a hefty prize. And then I go down here and I look at these guys bass fishing at a local tournament on the river, and they're winning $3,500, $5,000 for catching a fish. And um, I respect those guys, and I love the fish, but I think our sport is bigger and got a lot of a, a bigger following as, as the fishing, and why don't we have a game? And I know the SRS gives some um, money back, but you, you do the simple math, you have 50, 60 entries um, on this event, and, I mean, you can give some hefty, um, nice prizes back. And um, I just think with, with our resources and resources with our sponsors that we could come up with a good fun game um, and we had some really really neat dogs that had signed up for this and um, some big time field trial dogs were coming i'm sure you heard of flex johnny armstrong and miss kathy armstrong they were coming and uh, with covid restrictions and everything it just wasn't because i was gonna have live entertainment thursday friday saturday night um, the sponsors were really wanting to blow it out of the park it just um, with the COVID restrictions, we were kind of we kind of were getting handicapped, and I didn't want the first one to be watered down. Right. So we're gonna put it we're gonna put it off to the spring. I, I hope it I hope it works. I hope some more people jump on board. I don't want this thing just to be mine. I'm not trying to turn it into another business. I, I got enough on my plate. Right. But if maybe some other people would look at it, and maybe some other people because 
here's the other thing with the Mamba Challenge. We weren't running any mossy pond dogs in it because we didn't want anybody to think that there was a home field advantage. I'm just trying to spark something up where we can start getting some money. It's a lot easier for me to tell one of my customers that he could potentially win $10,000 this weekend or he could go and get a $3 master ribbon. And if if this thing would spike up and in three to five years there were 20 across the country that you could go and do that, and then like these, you know, how you talk about a coon dog, you say, well, old Blue, he won, he's eight years old and he won $90,000 in his all his runs. It'd be nice to be able to say, well, one of my black labs, Joe, he won $90,000 in the last four years. Um, but, you know, that's a lot easier sales pitch to, for me to pitch to my customers to keep a dog in competition training. So that's my idea. That's what I'm hoping. I'm, I hope that it, I like the rules. I've thought about them for four or five years now. It's Olympic-style score, and you have three judges. They'll score every single mark. They'll score every single blind from um, one to ten. So if your first mark you go out there is a 7.8 with the first judge, 8.2 with the second judge, 8.5 with the third judge, it is listed. When you walk off, you see what your first mark was, your second mark was, your third mark, your first blind, your second blind. You see exactly what you scored. Now, of course, the other judges, they don't talk to each other, I mean, about the scoring, but and you don't know which judge scored you what, but you would see what your number one mark was, what your number two mark was, what your number three mark was, what your first line was, and then, you know, the highest score wins at the end of the game. But um, I would use live live birds. The flyer, I think, the, I think a flyer is the most unfair thing in our game, in our sport. So the flyer would not be um, scored as a mark. It would be just a controlled bird for like control on the line or either controlled on a poison bird. But um, I think it's going to be a fun game. We're very excited about having it in the spring if this COVID thing will leave us alone. Right. And um, I just think it'll be something cool that people can run for some big money. Um, and, you know, like I said, there are a lot of – I named one dog earlier. I was just excited about Flex. But there were a lot of big-time field trial dogs that were already signed up. And it, it broke my heart that we had to cancel, but I didn't want it to come down here and we all have to be spaced out in my live entertainment that I had and the big dinners and the social gatherings that we were going to have to, to really spike this thing up. We're going to have to be shut down. So, um, we're going to put it off to the spring. Yeah. I love it. And I would love to be a part of it. I mean, if we can do anything to help, you know, I don't know. We can get creative off air, but no, definitely. Heck yeah, man. I need all the help I can get. I just want to think, I want to promote it. want to um, blow it up. And I want other people to jump on board. I want other people to um, have one. I want there cause I'm not going to run my own. I want other people to do it where I can go to their place and my dogs can win some money. The, these games are great that I know it's a, uh, they've been around for years and years and years, but I want a game out there that I can go and win some money for my customers. Yeah, no doubt about it. So would the, would they be judged on line manners and get scored on that? I mean, it it have to only encompass. only only one only one score. So you get one to ten by three judges um, on each mark, each blind, and per series you're scored from one to three on um, from each judge on on line manners. So there's nothing you can fail on. Gotcha. So if you if you totally break, that means you got a zero from all three judges on your one to three. If you go out there and never return with the go bird, but you pick up everything else, you get a zero from all the judges on that. Well, of course, the high score wins, so it's going to be hard to win by doing that. 
but there's no disqualification. You're you're not out. Um, keep fighting, keep running, and you know, in duck hunting, you have a cripple that you can't get. You're not kicked out of the duck blind. Right. So, um, you know, if you can't do part of it, you're not kicked out. But I'm sure you'll you'll probably end up losing because somebody else is going to do it right. 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 But um, I, I don't want the first bird that goes off because I broke that I'm out. Well, that might be an extremely talented dog, but he broke. So every every dog out there um, has broke or will break. That's right. And we all know that as dog trainers. So um, there was no disqualifications. Of course, I mean, we can't get silly. We can't let a female run in heat or something like that or a dog that's aggressive trying to chew everybody up. But um, other than that, um, we, we, we weren't going to have any disqualifications. And uh, you go out there and best dog wins. Was it going to be – is it going to be like the ser- Super Retriever Series where there's hunt savvy, hunt test, field it trial? Was. Exactly, exactly. So yep. you got to have a exactly. – Yes, you got to have a very multi-talented dog. Yep, yep. And we weren't going to blow one portion of it out of the water. It was going to be simply, you know, the field trial dog was going to be an open setup. The hunt the hunt savvy was going to be like you're hunting. And we definitely got the hunt savvy down here with the hunting that we do. So that was going to be cool. The AKC hunt test part and then, um, you know, or, or an HRC setup. And we were going to have a judge from each each category. Um, so a lot like the SRS in that aspect, um, we were just going to use birds, different scoring system, and try to try to give as much money back to the winners um, as we possibly could. Well, I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, I think yep. that's awesome because the one thing that I think the Mamba Challenge and the Super Retriever Series do right is give the field trial dog a chance. They give the hunt test dog a chance. So if <laughs> well, it was always funny, you know, when I ran hunt tests, I was like, well, those SRS, I mean, those um, field trial dogs, they can't, they can't run these marks that are so close and so tight to each other. And then when I ran the field trial dogs, all I heard was, well, those hunt test dogs can't swim over 80 yards. But <laughs> these games, you got to do both. Right. And um, you know, it's funny the, the and that's another thing. Uh, I love the SRS, respect the SRS, but there's no field trial dogs in it no more. Right. And there used to be when it first started, you know, Mr. Danny Farmer used to run it. A lot of big field trialers started running it. And with this Mamba Challenge, I knew the money purses would get those guys back into the game. And I was right. Um, I was surprised at the field trial. And I, I met a lot of people, met, made a lot of um, good relationships over the years through the field trial game. And, but I was surprised at the field trialers that jumped on this thing. And I'm excited about when we can have it in the spring, how they'll they'll get back engaged. We need a game where the best of the best will play. And like I said, we run the SRS and promote the SRS, but it's hunt test guys. It's no, you don't have any field trial guys much in it anymore. And that's, I hope with this, well, I mean, I, I would love to see, you know, uh, NFC wanting to run. That's and right. I mean, why wouldn't he? If he's the best dog in the country, why wouldn't he want to win $10,000? And come and, and prove um, that he can do it all. Come get me. Yeah, come. Come, come do it. Yeah, let's see it. That's right, dude. I and who it. wouldn't want? And who wouldn't want to beat that dog? Who these hunt test guys? My guys, Lee and Clark. What would be better? I mean, that would nothing be better than to beat the NFC that or so or the cool. or or the uh, most grand passes living dog. You know, maybe that dog's um, the one that kicks butt out. You know, who wouldn't want to beat that dog? That's so right. 
anyways, I, I don't know. I just I just want our sport to keep growing. Those last few years that I ran field trials, it seemed like we were always begging for people to help. It was hard to get entries. Um, it's just it, it's tough. Of course, some of our other games are really growing, but I just I just always want to stay in front of the curve and keep our game growing because if our, any of those games fizzle out, <laughs> that hurts me tremendously. Yeah, no doubt about it. We all do. We all hurt. Well, Brad, I, I've enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. I'd like to offer up you an opportunity to just plug Mossy Pond and some of your social media and cool things you've got coming down the pipes. So go for it, baby. Yeah, man. Uh, I, we're on Instagram, um, at Team NPR, uh, Facebook, uh, Mossy Pond Retrievers. Um, look, look us up. Of course, you can Google Mossy Pond Retrievers, www.mossypondretrievers.com. Our website, um, we're in southeast Georgia. Um, Patterson, Georgia is the city that we're in. And any, anything we can ever do for anybody, we, we love to help out. We, we, we just want people in the outdoors and people in the dog world to reach out to us. Um, we're, we want, want all one big family. We want to help people out and keep this thing going, keep all the, all the dog people positive, happy, and keep, keep the dog sport alive. Couldn't agree more. And I think if I could add, a, a again, a little caveat pat on the back to these guys, we all go to hunt tests, and when I was an amateur and didn't know what to do and, you know, felt nervous to talk to people, knowing the Mossy Pond team, they would be the truck you can go knock on the window and say, hey, man, I got a question, or I'm really nervous what would you do with this or whatever? Lee, Clark, these guys are class acts. They're patient. They're, they're kind, you know, and they're everywhere all up and down the coast. Like Brad said earlier, they come up to New York in the summertime. So they're up here in the Northeast. They're down South. I promise you, if you went up and said, hi, I'm Johnny Smith and I've got a dog in senior and I'm really nervous, you know, they'd be like, Oh man, you know? And so, Brad's got a team around him that is just class act folks. Get do yourself a favor and get to know him, his team, and his business, and and you'll be better off. I promise you. So, Brad, again, man, thank you so much. Happy holidays to you and your family. Merry Christmas, my friend. And when we hang up, um, it won't be the last time you hear from me. So we'll talk more about the Mamba Challenge and and see how Lone Duck can get involved in there. All right, buddy. Man, I appreciate you. Appreciate the relationship. Um, I've enjoyed being on this call. I appreciate um, you and Mr. Kevin having me. And if there's anything that I can, just like you said, if there's anything I can ever do for anybody, they feel free to reach out. We love to help people. Um, we have a lodge right here. They can come down and we can we can help them out. They can stay a day or two. And we can give them some lessons. Um, if you and Mr. Kevin can ever get get down here, y'all are welcome. You're you're always here. I've all, I've offered that to you in the past. Y'all come stay a week or two and train. Thank you. Uh, we can do some. We can do some cool things. But um, happy holidays to you. And if there's anything I can do for you, reach out to me anytime. Thanks, Brad. All right, man. You have a great one, and we'll be in touch. Thank you, Mr. Bob. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Hey, patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters is a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in. Let's go. Join the community. We appreciate it. And we'll see you there. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation, to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.